our parents. They want the best of stuff for us. But right now they gotta do what's right for them. Cause it's their time. Their time. Up there. Down here, it's our time. It's our time down here. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great! You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad, finally back in L.A. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you very much. If the opening music didn't give it away, this week's show features an interview with a children's book writer who just published a book on, yeah, the Goonies. I just saw the most amazing thing in my entire life. First, you gotta do the truffle shuffle. Come on! Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by The 80s Cruise. Come and sail with Spearsy and me this spring on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. The lineup includes Human League, ABC, Belinda Carlisle, 38 Special, Berlin, Morris Day in the Time, and many, 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 many more, including at least two that you've heard on the podcast recently. MTV original VJ's Alan Hunter, Nina Blackwood, and Mark Goodman will be there, along with Larry the Duck and Lauren Majewski from SiriusXM. And... Here's where it gets interesting for you, gentle listener. You can get a $200 cabin credit when you book using the promo code STUCK. That's S-T-U-C-K, STUCK. Find out more at www.the80scruise.com. You know, it's actually, we've had three people who are going to be on the cruise on the podcast in the last year. We had John Parr. Oh, that's right. And then we had John Easdale from Drama Rama, and we had Michael Aston from Jean Loves Jezebel. It's just a cast of cast of characters around here. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. And, and and we've previously had Berlin, we've had ABC, we've had Human League. Who else? Have you ever talked to anybody Just, from Thirty Eight Special? I did not, and I would love to have. Well, let's get them on the show. Get them on. <laughs> get them on the horn. Hey guys, I saw them open up once for Ario Speedwagon in probably <laughs> the ultimate FM radio uh, concert fest. Yeah, I, I, and they they were amazing. I. I was with our previous podcast host who was not big on showing up to concerts on time. So we missed about three quarters of 38 special. But when we walked in the hall, people were literally on their chairs, like swinging stuff around in such a complete frenzy listening to 38 special that it was almost a letdown when Aria Speedwagon took the stage. I can believe that they put on a good show. I think, you know, you think, oh, 38 special. Great. You know, we've got the, you know, we got the B list guys showing up. I'm like, "Mm, you're selling those guys short. They had a lot of hits. Some really snappy songwriting. And, you know, they're a fun band. I'm excited to see them bring it. I'm excited to see you back in L.A. This is the first time that we have done a show from our, our own homes. Our natural and, habitats. And how long? Six months? It's been, well, I've been in New York pretty much since the second week of June. Oh, my God. Until last week. So I was there for almost five months. And wow. And it was... 
by the end of it, it was getting really bad. I'm sorry, guys. I know this is something that we try and give you an episode every week, and it just got to the point where, like, I'm, I'm talking to Stephen, like, look, I'm sorry. I just, I don't have the bandwidth. I'm working 80 hours a week. I have to sleep. I have to eat. I, I don't have time to podcast. Right. And that's that's just not good for anybody, let alone me and my mental health. But And, and I've been going back and forth to New York every month, or Future Wife has been coming down here every month. So yeah. it feels like I'm constantly in a lift to an airport somewhere. And that's always yeah. a, that's a lost day. I mean, that's that's a lost day. The next day doesn't feel so friggin' great either. So, yeah. It, it's funny because, and maybe I shouldn't tell you this, Steve, but before <laughs> I got home, I'm just like, oh, I'm going back to New York at the end of the month for this wedding. Okay. And it was just this kind of factual thing in my mind that I knew I was doing. But now that I'm back home, and like can talk to Katie and can have other conversations and I'm not like dealing with being in New York for work every day. I'm I'm actually now I'm suddenly really excited about going back for the wedding. It's not that I wasn't excited about your <laughs> wedding, but the trip just it couldn't I couldn't process it until I came home, I think. And now I'm like, ooh, I can wear this for that and oh I'm gonna do this for the here's what I'm gonna do in my speech. And do you think I can get tearaway pants fast enough? <laughs> Well, and Katie will be there the whole time, so it's not like yeah. you're going to be apart, and you're not going to be doing any work. It's just going to be fun for three or four days. That's absolutely true. So absolutely the, true. The weather should be pleasant. Uh, I, you know, we'll the, take it as it comes. Yeah, I just, I literally just got back a few days ago myself, and my Uber Eats uh, app is is finally cooling down after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drizzly called to see if I was okay. Drizzly, when you use the Drizzly app, they they do always text you the next day saying, "Hey, how was it? How was the drink?" And I'm like, "Why? Yeah. Why? Why do, you, why do you care so much?" What about a vodka martini with a perno float? I'm a fast learner. Oh man. Anyway, uh, while I was in New York, I had a chance to do an interview with a children's book author, and we've never done a children's book author before on the show because it just it didn't seem to make any sense. But I got this email. The Hello Moon people weren't available. <laughs> uh, saying that there's a new book called The Goonies out, and it was you know, written by someone who'd written more than 100 books. And would I like to read it? And I was sure, not, not only would I like to read it, I'd like to talk to the person who wrote it. Sure. So this week we have uh, Brooke Vitale on the show, and she, she's really great. She lives up in the New York area. I think she's in Connecticut. And we had a nice little chat. It's a 15-minute long interview, and we talk about, you know, how do you convert a movie like The Goonies, which is probably – it was, what, PG? Strong PG at times. I think so, yeah. How do you convert that into a book for a seven-year-old, which is what the right. book – that's the targeted that's age. That's the target. Okay. Yeah. And um, so you'll get to hear the the great debate about the truffle shuffle. Mm, yeah. I didn't think about that. And it, the whole movie, that that's really kind of interesting – part of the discussion is the things that you just can't really bring into a book for seven-year-olds if you want to sell more than two copies. Right. I mean, the fundamental plot line of the Goonies are these kids are in danger. Right. I mean, there's... How much danger are you going to expose them to? This isn't like, oh, do you want to eat green eggs or not? (laughs) It's funny. I think think people at our age have the same basic books that we all read. I mean, Green Eggs and Ham... Hello, Moon. Uh, Actually, I think it's Good Night, Moon. Now that I think about it, 
Anyway, it's been a I, while. I guess My that kids would are make old sense. now. Unless you're more of a night owl, then maybe it unless is a you're more of a vampire, maybe that's what the Lost Boys read was yeah. "Hello Moon." Yeah. Maybe she sure turned that one into a uh, a <gasps> book. Oh. That'd be interesting. The Frog Brothers. <laughs> that works for a kids' book. <clears throat> Not sure the rest of it does. So, speaking uh, of that, <laughs> though, stick, listen to hear what she has to say about what book she wants to do next. Yeah, what movie property she wants to turn to a book next. It's like mind blowing. <laughs> it's not the one you think. She also gives a really great answer to the podcast time machine question. Uh, so sit back and enjoy this 15-minute chat with Brooke Vitale. Uh, we will be back after the interview with the Seggies and other shenanigans. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this chat ever since I found out there was a children's book uh, for the Goonies. Um, but before we get to that, I, I have to ask you about your career because you are the very first children's book author I've ever met or talked to. Wow, that's impressive. Well, my career actually started as a children's book editor. I spent about 17 years working for some of the New York companies. I started at Sterling, which is the company owned by Barnes and Noble, and then moved over to Penguin for a few years. And then I was at Disney for eight years. And then when I had my second son, I decided to go freelance instead, which is when I really transitioned over to writing. So at this point, I have written probably well over 100 books that have been published by various publishing companies and am freelance editing on the side and working on writing my own books. I know a lot of people grow up thinking they want to be writers and then it doesn't happen. I mean, I wanted to be a sports reporter in college, but I realized I stood a better chance of getting an actual paying job if I studied copy editing. Um, was it more of a natural transition for, for you to go from editor to writer or was, was writing something you always had kind of, you know, in the back of your mind wanted to try? So my time both at Penguin and at Disney was primarily using licensed properties for books. And something that I think a lot of people don't know when they look at children's books is that often you're not hiring an author to write something. The editors are usually doing it themselves because that's what works best with the budget. So I spent about 10 years writing stuff in-house. So by the time I left and transitioned over to the freelance writing, I got a lot of work with people who already knew me from the industry and people said, well, you've already been writing all of these books for Disney, for whatever else, for so many years. It was just a natural transition. Let's talk about this latest project, The Goonies. Obviously, an 80s classic. I'd say probably one of the top 10 movies that an, any 80s fan reveres. What was the spark behind your idea to do a children's book version of it? Actually, it wasn't my idea. Um, so Insight Editions, who is the company that published the book, started doing these classic storybooks a couple of years ago. There was another company that had done some as well. They did um, Home Alone, and I can't recall what the other ones were. And Insight looked at it and said, oh, you know, these are really doing well. They're a good idea. So what happens is that the publisher then goes out to the movie studio, and they get a license to do the book. So once they had that license in hand, then they needed to hire an author that they felt could do justice to, which is when they came to me. What was your first reaction when you heard the idea? Oh, I loved it. Are you kidding? Goonies? How fun is that? Do you remember seeing the movie for the first time? I don't remember seeing it for the first time. I remember sitting on the couch. I remember watching it with my sister more than once. But I, you know, I was born in 81. Okay. So 
I'm a child of the 80s, but also not. I straddled that line by the time I was old enough to remember things. Most people who know the podcast know the answer to this. It's, I think I only finally saw The Goonies for the first time maybe a year ago. Okay. It was one of those movies that came out at an age, I think I was 15. And the last thing I wanted to do was see a movie about a bunch of kids. So it just, <laughs> it, it hit me at the wrong time. And even when I saw it a year ago, I, it, it's kind of hard to, to get the connection. I mean, I, I see why it's so beloved. Trust me. I mean, I, and, and not a day goes by where you don't hear, uh, you know, Hey, you guys, or do the truffle shuffle or any of those things. So it's like, it's, it's the DNA of the eighties is in it, but just, I think it's real, it's real telling to, as to when you, uh, when what age you are when you first see it what do you think are some of the bigger challenges in transitioning uh, the goonie story from a film to a children's book you know it's exactly what you're talking about it's such a beloved part of so many people's childhoods and people my age or a few years older than me who really do remember the first time they saw it are now at that age where they have children who are the appropriate age so they're going to be looking to buy it for their kids they want to share this thing that they loved with their children but it's an issue of trying to pull out those moments that are going to really still resonate with them versus the ones that maybe don't sit so well culturally anymore. You know, we had a lot of conversation around the truffle shuffle because everybody knows it. It's such an iconic moment in the movie, but it's also fat shaming. And the, the boy who played that role really, if you research him, you find that he, that stuck with him for a really long time and it really impacted him going into adulthood. So it was a sensitive thing that we knew we couldn't not have in there, but we also had to be careful how we expressed what that was. That makes sense. The story itself is, is a, it's a screenplay written by Chris Columbus based on a story from Steven Spielberg. I mean, when you when you take a story like this, do you, do you look at the writer's other works and kind of get a general, a better feel for like their overall work or do you, or do you focus just on, I am, I am laser focused on the Goonies and that's what I'm pulling from. I'm only focused on the Goonies, really anything else that they did, anything else that the actors were in, it doesn't matter because what we're creating is a retelling of this film that can be as true to the film as we can make it. And the studio is going to go back through after and they're going to review it. They're not looking for something that goes off course. They're looking for something that is their movie in written form. I mean, so no Easter eggs really are encouraged. No. And really, if you look through the art, you're going to find that um, Teo Scaffa, who did the art, did an amazing job of capturing the likeness either, even of the children and making sure that it looks like the movie looked, that it's got those same light moments, it's got those same dark moments when you get on the ship at the end. I mean, it's gorgeous what he did, but he also had to draw his inspiration from what you saw on the screen. That brings me to a question I was going to ask a little later on, but I'll ask it now. When, when I think back on children's books that I remember being read to when I was a kid, uh, you know, Where the Wild Things Are, Good Night Moon, Tale of Peter Rabbit, to me, the illustrations stand out as much as the story itself. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, what, what is the collaboration like between you and the illustrator? Honestly, there isn't a collaboration between me and the illustrator. I delivered the manuscript and then he delivered the illustrations. 
And the reason for that is because there's an editor in the middle of it. So their job is to make sure that everything is coming together properly. It's not really my business what the art looks like, in particular because I was brought on by them to write this. If it had been my idea, if I'd gone and I'd sought out the license from Warner, it would be a different story than I would be intimately involved with it, as I would be on any picture book that I write. But for this, it's really that editor who's working in the middle. It's the art director at Inside Editions who is working with him and making sure that everything is looking right, bringing every stage is going to the studio. They have to look at everything. So they're going to approve first the outline of the book, everything that's going to go on the page then the manuscript, then they're going to look at sketches and they're going to look at the line art that he's drawn. They're going to look at the final color. And I don't know what sort of feedback they gave him, but I wouldn't be surprised if you got something like that color red is too rich. It's got to come back. You know, it's very specific. Are you you're just using the, the source material of the movie? And do you f- try to find a script? Do you try to do any other research associated with the story? No. So if I had needed a script, then I could have gotten one, I'm sure. But what I do when I'm working on a book like this is literally I sit down on my couch with the movie and a notepad and a pen. And I watch the whole thing from start to finish. And I write down every single moment that I think is important. And then I go through and I start figuring out, okay, how many pages is that going to take up? Do I have too much? Do I have too little? Does something have to go? Is something that I thought was important really not so critical that I can lose it so I can give something else more breathing room. So that's my next piece is really just figuring out that pagination on it because it's key to knowing, especially in a kid's book, especially in a book with art, where your page turns are going and what you're going to have at the end of every spread that's going to compel a child to turn the page and see what happens next. I'm just curious, what were there specific scenes that you, you would have loved to have had in there, but they just, you know, they it would have, it would have screwed up the pacing or it would have taken it somewhere it didn't need to go. I just kind of curious what, what, what were the, what, what, if anything ended up on the cutting floor that, that you had wanted to be in the book? I know there was a lot at the beginning, you know, the whole thing when Chunk shows up and he's shouting his insanity about what he saw and nobody will believe him. And, you know, there's some great jokes in there, you know, about him, you know, seeing Michael Jackson and all that. And it's hard to fit all that in. It's really hard with dialogue a lot of times to fit in a lot of it. So there are lines that you love, but you can't make work. Well, I would think the Michael Jackson thing, too, wouldn't necessarily translate so well. Right. Again, it's a cultural thing. Yeah. I mean, important 40 years ago. <clears throat> right. I don't know that. But it- even. But even so, there's always those moments, you know, where you go, oh, this moment's so good and I have to condense it to a line or I love it, but okay, it doesn't really matter. You know, I probably spent about 20 minutes trying to figure out how to explain the contraption that opens the front gate when he's doing the truffle shuffle. (laughs) And ultimately the whole thing went because as cool as it was, It didn't entirely matter. And I also knew that some of that was going to get captured in the art anyway. Aside from the the truffle shuffle, which you you struggle with because as you point out correctly, so fat shaming and aside from maybe a dozen utterances of uh, mild profanity, are there other things that you had to take and just sort of say, this can't be in a children's book. I mean, there's a certain amount of gunplay going on. There is. And that's definitely something that you try to, 
toned down. Now, I know that we kept in there Chunk finding the bullet holes in the van, but that wasn't him in any immediate danger. Um, You do. I mean, the Fratellis are nasty. They're really nasty. And these kids' lives are in danger. And you need to balance that piece of it with just the fun adventure side. So that was a bit challenging, trying to get across that level of danger without, you know, I I can't remember off the top of my head and I'd have to go back and check, but there's a line when they first break into the restaurant and Mama Fratelli says that she's going to rip Mouth's tongue off. And I loved that. It was so good. And I can't remember if it made its way in because again, it was one of those issues. Is it a step too far? Is it, you know, is that going to give kids pause? Is that going to give kids nightmares? Yes. (laughs) Right. But it's such a great line. And it's so telling about who her character is. As you've said, you've written more than hundred books in your career, including several with an 80s setting, including the Care Bears and the Muppets. Um, Are there any other 80s stories or characters that you would love to try to convert into a children's book? I want to do Spaceballs. Spaceballs. I I would never have guessed that. That's wonderful. I don't know if we'll get to, but I have pitched it to my editor at Inside Editions. I said, come on, please make this the next one. Oh my God. I think that would be great. I'd love to do Princess Bride. Yes, of course. I would think that would be a no brainer, but Spaceballs, boy, that's just... Now, now you've confounded me. I, I'm going to have to think that one through. I, now, now I need to go downstairs and watch that one again and see like, okay, what are the, what are the pitfalls here? You know, but there are several, but still, I think if you can do it with the Goonies, you can do it to Spaceballs. You know, Spaceballs, it would be more, it, everything's so over the top that I don't think it's going to be the same kind of pitfalls at all. The challenge there is I genuinely don't know whether anything can be done around that, whether it becomes a Lucas issue. Because my understanding is that when Mel Brooks put that movie out, George Lucas told him, I'm not going to sue you if you never do merchandise around it. (laughs) Interesting. I didn't know that. I I don't know for sure if that's true. That's what I have read. And it wouldn't be surprising because it's obviously a ripoff of Star Wars. Of course. It's it's a a satire. I mean, satire is protected, isn't it? I mean, it's... Eh, To an extent. Yes, I, I guess unless you try to commercialize, well, now now you've really painted me into a corner. I have. <laughs> I don't know the answer either. I took a copyright law class twenty years ago, and I don't remember enough. We have a traditional final question on the podcast, and um, I think now is a great time to give it to you. Um, we call it the podcast time machine question, and we like okay. to think that our podcast is a time machine, and that we can grant you a seat. Uh, on the time machine to go back in time um, and either change something that happened in your life or relive it, or just go and do something that you didn't get a chance to do the first time, like uh, seeing live aid or going to see Prince in concert to popular answers, but literally you can do whatever you want. So if you had a seat on the podcast time machine, where would you go and what would you do? Oh, wow. Okay. Now for the first time you've caught me off guard. I have to think about that one for a minute. Thought about giving you a heads up ahead of time, but I thought, <laughs> nope, I'm just going to let her sit there and struggle. You know what? Honestly, if I were to take a time machine and I were going to go somewhere, I'd probably go back to college and I'd have more fun. That sounds horrible. No, but no, it's great. I, I was that kid who went, I have to get good grades because if I'm going to get a good job, I have to get good grades. And I 
graduated from college with a 395, but you can guess how much fun I had doing that. Probably about 0.00. Right. Well, it was 395, so 0.05, right? That's how much fun I had. Um, Yeah, I'd go back and I would say, you know what? You're going to be a children's book editor. Go for it. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, my mom told me, she said, these will be the best years of your life. She's like, but just so you know, I'm only paying for four of them. (laughs) Fair enough. Hey, Brooke, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. I have too. There we go, Brooke Vitale. Uh, I can't wait to see if she actually gets to do the book on Spaceballs. It will be ludicrous. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a. I mean, I, she and I, I think, had talked about this. I mean, I, maybe it did make the final cut of the. There's, there's some uh, phallic stuff in Spaceballs. You're going to have to tweak. It, yeah, and and like, you can't use ludicrous speed because kids are like, "What is that word?" Even? Yeah, it's it's too big a word. Sound it out. <laughs> I mean, Princess Bride. I'm I'm surprised that hasn't already been done. That's a no-brainer. I was trying to think of another. You can't really do Stand by Me because there we go again. <laughs> Kids in danger, dead body. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. Maybe. Um, although I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. I think about this watching Ferris Bueller on my kids when they were in like fifth or sixth grade. They were stressed out about the fact that Ferris Bueller was breaking the rules and was oh. not at school, which just tells you that I raised two like goody two shoes, dicky do right kids, which I'm not going to apologize for. Maybe they could change it to Ferris Bueller's field trip out. <laughs> there you go. And they go to the Chicago <laughs> Science Museum for kids. Mm. <laughs> and maybe they stop by, uh, yeah, they stop by the river on the way back as some kid throws up on the bus. Yeah. That sounds about right. (laughs) Anyway, if you're... This is why we don't write children's (laughs) books. Uh, Or fan fiction, for that matter. Well, that's kind of the difference, isn't it? If you you have a license from... Or if you have a a contract with the studio for the intellectual property, then you can actually publish the book. Otherwise, you're just writing children's fan fiction. And what kind of nerd are you at that point? If you could write fan fiction for some 80s movie, what would it be? Ooh... Well, I feel like I did kind of do that for Breakfast Club. Right. Like the where are they now stuff. That just seems like the obvious answer. I mean, go a little deeper. Yeah. Like what are the characters? Um, What are the characters doing now or what did they do after the movie? How about – Or even an origin story. I almost like those better. Like I almost – I wouldn't mind an origin story of uh, St. Elmo's Fire or – even an origin well you can't really don't need an origin story for breakfast club because they kind of tell you what it is they tell you yeah you know how they got there you you know the people uh you know the stereotypes um how about an origin story for gene hackman's character in hoosiers well first of all let's be real friendly here okay my name is norm secondly your coaching days are over oh wow that's dark yeah, and it, York, ends when he hit, and it ends when he hits the kid, New York, like, and credits roll. New York really changed you, man. You don't even know. What was I, the, well, you were there. <laughs> well, what was the most violent thing you saw when you were in New York? What was the, what was the, what was the most New York thing you saw in New York? The most New York thing I saw. Well, okay, I'll, we'll keep it clean. Um, every day when I would walk out from work, if it was nice out and it wasn't midnight, um, <clears throat> there was a guy with a like a rug 
and a chair and a little shoe shine stand, and he was shining shoes like on the sidewalk in oh, a nice. folding chair. And he oh, there was always somebody sitting there. I'm like that guy's making bank. He's working his tail off, but he's <laughs> you know you're like respect. I I, I kind of wanted to say something to him about it, but I'm like, oh, it's New York. You don't talk to people. Yeah, yeah, no. The only thing that there's a homeless man that lives right around the corner from mm-hmm. Future Wife's place. He lives. There's like a there's a food emporium, which is one of the grocery store chains in mm-hmm. New York City. And he he's, he always sits on this one bench, and he's got a big shopping cart full of his whatever he's got left. The stuff. And then next to him, he's got even more stuff. And he's always listening to talk radio. Okay. And, I, and every time I pass by him, he's sleeping, sitting up, sleeping. And, I mean, is that the most New York thing I've ever seen in New York? I saw my fair share of mice and rats this last time. Yeah, can I? Like, I had mice in my apartment. Does that count? That's yeah, kind of yeah, because you, you wouldn't know, have that. I, one, in- one I chased out of the apartment. I tried to catch the other one, and he ran behind the refrigerator. Who knows where he went? <laughs> when I was, um, I was living with my friend Bad Andy. You, you remember Bad Andy? I certainly do. Yeah, we we talked about him on the podcast before. He and I lived together, and he had this really. Rundown house in a bad area of town, but it was right next to a Godfather's Pizza, so it was it was all good. Okay, and and um, <clears throat> that was back in the day when I I used to work overnight shifts, so I'd come home okay. and then sleep on the couch <clears throat> for half the day until I s- started hearing these scratching sounds underneath the the couch, and so he came home, Andy comes home, <clears throat> and I tell him there's a scratching sound un- underneath the couch. He's like, well, I know what to do, so we pick up the couches and we take them out into the front lawn and then he's got these two hockey sticks and we banged up and down on the couch with the hockey sticks. <laughs> oh my gosh, to drive the mice out? Yeah, to drive it, this big rat. It was like the size, oh, of, a a, the size of a small cat. Comes oh my gosh. racing out. And um, so the last, my last memory of that day before I intentionally clouded it with a great amount of wild turkey was yeah. the sight of Andy running up and down the street with a hockey stick trying to kill the rat. So. Trying to scoop it up with the, the hockey stick and yeah. fling it into a I, wall He finally someplace. did. He finally did kind of do a slap shot with it, but I never napped on that couch again. <laughs> slap shot rat. New album by Steve Spears and the Mystics. Or another good idea for a children's book. Uh, by the way, if, if you're interested in learning more about Brooke and, and finding her books, you can find her on Twitter. Um, she's at uh, Vitaly.Brooke on, on Instagram, at Brooke.Vitaly. Her publishing company is at Charge Mommy Books, and you can find her on Facebook at, at uh, Brooke Vitale, uh Books, and her website is brookvitale.com. I have now beaten the over on the number of times I can say Brooke Vitale in one show. Well, let me say, I really enjoyed Brooke Vitale's answer to the podcast time machine question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you, Brooke. Uh, There's certain amounts of the college experience that should have had maybe a little less focus and certain that would have benefited from more focus. I. I'm totally, I'm totally at peace with the amount of fun I had in college. I maybe because I had too much of it, but but I think even then I knew because I think our journalism professors told us it doesn't matter what grade you get in my class as long as you get your degree and as long as you get clips, you know, yeah. work for work for you know, get an internship, work for the papers, and then drink yourself to death at night like every other professional like journalist, like every other journalist. I, I laughed really hard at your response to her, like you know, your mom said these are going to be the best years of your life, and I'm paying for four of them. Yeah. She's she was dead serious too. 
I mean, I oh I, yeah, just like we were with our kids. I'm like, okay, this is a four year deal. I'm not paying for a fifth year. <laughs> but if I could pay for a fifth year of something right now, you know, it'd be of the, the seg- seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, the mystical sign. Ah, the mystical, the mystical, the mystical notes of a mystery movie moment. It's been a while since we've done this, and I think that's why I'm so tongue tied. I um, barely remember it. <laughs> it's, this I can't was, even spell MMM. This was from episode 616. I'm trying to think. Forgotten it's like, hits? It's not that far back. No, no it's just. I'm sorry. I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> my brain is very soft. Yeah, I just want I start wanting to, wanting to quote the movie Rudy at times like this. Anyway, um, if you recall, whatever it was a month ago or so that we did this, the winners of 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 that week's Seggies get a chance for a free copy of uh, Tamara Deaver's uh, trivia book, Ultimate Mixtape Music Quiz Book, Test Your Rad Knowledge of Seventies and Eighties Tunage. So we have, I think we have five autographed copies. Nice. Maybe, maybe, maybe they may not be autographed. I'm not, I take that back. But I, 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 just I, scribble in them. No. Be stay rad. TD. I just, I just, I just, <laughs> By the way, have you noticed that uh, with the advent of the computer age and, and keyboards in general, that you can no longer do normal handwriting anymore? Oh, I actually I take a lot of notes by hand in meetings. Oh, okay. So it's just me then. Thanks. Well, it kind of depends when I'm at home. This is fascinating. I know listeners, but when I'm at home in front of my computer, I tend to take notes on my computer. But when I'm on the site, which I've been for months now, I tend to carry around a little Moleskine notebook with me. And I have a specific pen that I like. Of course I do, because I'm that kind of dork. And I take handwritten notes. And my handwriting is teeny tiny, which everyone always comments on. Yeah. It's very female. I (laughs) beg to differ. (laughs) Anyway, so I mean, the reason I the reason I say it is because when you're in the whole oh my god I'm looking at his handwriting right now he's showing it up to the camera it's it's beautiful <laughs> it's the, like a parlor trick I it, can write really small when when I was when I was in school I had I had amazing handwriting it, it was fantastic if I if I you know I never say anything nice about myself so if I compliment my handwriting it must have really been something but the thing is now when you're you know, you're getting married. You're having to write thank you notes by hand. Oh, and, you're handwriting stuff out. Yeah, we don't. Oh my you don't god, handwrite that much anymore. It's like your hand gets cramped up. And, oh my ugh. god, it just it looks like it looks like I had a seizure halfway through most of my notes, and I, I've had to start over a couple of times because I just wrote words that didn't even make sense. So there might be some sort of issue going on. Anyway, oh dear. Anyway, Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. Not important, really. To the, at least your handwriting thank you notes. Your mom will be very happy. With yes. That. Um. Back Mystery to- movie moment, was it? <laughs> Episode 616. Uh, pay attention. Here was the clip from that show. It's not just the gun, Frank. It's everything. That's Married to the Mob. And I thought oh, it I thought it was... I love this movie. I, I thought it was movie. easy. I, I really expected maybe 30 people to get it. Uh, three people got it. Well, we did use this as a clue back in 2018. Son of a bitch. More people got it then. Maybe it was a more obvious clip. Damn it. I hate when you do that to me on a show. <laughs> Sorry, I was just digging through email looking for correct answers. Wow. You said, you know, you said there were three, and I'm like, he must have left some out. Nope, those no, are the ones. three. A lot of people said Naked Gun, which I guess. But anyway, <sighs> read the winners. Do you people even movie? Huh? 
the winners are Sweet Lou Greeley, Kevin M. and Valrico, and Michael Legat. Nice. Um, we'll draw. For, we'll we'll announce the winners of the book after we do name the '80s tune. But in the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery movie moment. If Commander Farrell is the man who was with Miss Adwell, then Commander Farrell is the man who killed Miss Adwell, and we know that the man who killed Miss Adwell is Yuri. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. I'm surprised I don't mangle that more often than I do. It's just on a tape in your head at this point. It just comes out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Like, like so many things that you say in your... I'm right on top it of that, just, boss. It just, I'm going to get my best guy on it. Yeah. I'm waking That's up what I've been saying for the last four <laughs> months. Get my best guy right on that. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up super early to take care of that for you. After um, I hit the gym. <laughs> anyway, uh, email us at that address, of which I've now forgotten, and tune in a few weeks to find out if you're a winner. Podcast at SIT80s.com. Oh, please help me name that 80s tune. Make everything right in my head. Make the demons go away. You're asking a lot of a simple seggy. <laughs> well, that and the drink in front of me. So it'll be a combination. Now this one Fair. I thought I had stumped people. This one I, I had faith in. This if if only three people had gotten this one right, I, I would have felt like my life had purpose. Um point of order, you yeah. included lyrics in this clip. Yeah, but it's still like I mean Any chucklehead can type lyrics into a search engine. I, I trust the honor of our listeners not to have I mean, done I, that. I love all you chuckleheads dearly. Don't take that too personally. But it's sound kind of personal. Really, chucklehead? Oh, if I'm really angry with you, I'll, if you're, I'm really angry with you, I'll call you a clown pounder. But these Ooh. people aren't clown pounders; they're just chuckleheads. Here's the tune from uh, episode six one six. I met someone at the dog show. That's "She's an Angel" by They Might Be Giants. When you're following an angel, does it mean you have to throw your body off a building? Somewhere they're meeting on a pinhead, calling you an angel, calling you the nicest thing. A lot of people got it right. I'm impressed. I, mean, I guess I should be happy because I, I I want people yeah. to like this a lot song. Of participation. Well, I like this song. And by the way, if you this is the studio version. There's a live version. They did a live album in the mid '90s. Really, and there's a live version of this song that's really incredible. It's got a lot of horns, like deep, mm. deep oh. like tubas. What? Trust me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to listen to that. You know, I'm a sucker for a horn line. <laughs> it's fantastic. That's just fact check. True. In fact, in fact, I, I tried to whenever I could. I know I probably didn't email everybody back, but I, I tried to email a lot of people back saying, "By the way, check out the live version." So hopefully, they you think you like this version. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> you're a good man, Steve Spears. <laughs> Thank God. Now you're gonna be a good man by reading the thirty plus names that follow. Here we go. <clears throat> Winners this week include Ken Bays, Michelle D, Kevin You Can Dodge a Wench, Jeremy Who Shot JR Rodwan, Mr. Whiskey, Dr. G, K Pop Stitches, Katie, Surreal, Wendy Maloney, Alan, yes, you mispronounced that, Boyasu, 
John Ross <laughs> from Charlotte, North Carolina, Joseph Perdue, Dana McDonough, Rob Jones in Tamworth, UK, Carl Monkey Boy Peterson, Dax in Indy, Todd in Minnesota, Gene and Hollister, Carlos M. Hernandez in St. Louis, Missouri, Ricky from Nashville, Jeff and Charity in Richlands, Virginia, Gordon Shumway, Tom Korn in Graz, Austria, Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit, and Kyle K. in Arkansas. By the way, two points of geography. I know Cliff already wrote me back and said, there is there are places north of Detroit that are not Canada, Steve, so stop saying that. <clears throat> He's correct. Touchy, touchy. <laughs> and then uh, I, I'm kind of curious uh, to know from Rob Jones where Tamworth is in the UK. Uh, yeah, I didn't take the time to look that up, but let's take a quick look. <laughs> let's let's engage the uh, computer. Computer? It's, it says it's a town in England. Well, that's really specific. It's a Thank large you. market town in Staffordshire. Okay. A little bit more. Uh, which is, uh, scare me out, it's uh, just a little... Northeast of Birmingham, which, as we all know from our listening, has the blues. No, Birmingham uh, is where Duran Duran. No, the Birmingham blues. I'm going ELO. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, they're outside of Birmingham. Um, oh, okay. So that's north and Birmingham is north and west of London, and Tamworth is a little east and further north. Okay, glad I got that settled. Um, <laughs> so okay, so five winners. Um, have to contact us with their postal addresses. Um, go ahead, Brad. Tell us who won the books. Oh, thank God I don't have to spin the wheel. Too many names. The book winners are Sweet Lou Greeley, K-Pop Stitches Katie, Kevin M. and Valrico, Dax and Indy, and Michael Legat. Nice. Nicely done. Well, yeah. <clears throat> if you can please, please, for the love of God, give me your addresses soon if I don't have them. Uh, because in approximately, holy crap, by the time you listen to this, Numbers own, of days will be shrinking. Yeah, very few days that I'll be left in Orlando before I go to New York. And then I will be gone for a very long time before I return back to very, Florida. Very long? Well, I'll be all alone? No, I mean... Podcast? No! Logins? I'll still have my... Like post shows? <laughs> I still have the microphone this with me. This is terrible. This is like, you know, Joel's parents leaving for the weekend in risky business. Everybody come over. Well, Joel... Your stats are very respectable. You've done some solid work here. But it's not quite Ivy League now, is it? It's going to be great. How come no one name checks Risky Business more often as a classic 80s movie? I don't know. I mean, at the time, didn't it seem just as important as all the rest? Absolutely. Back then, I mean, like, I mean, granted, I mean, in the early 80s, I mean, we hadn't yet seen Ferris Bueller or Breakfast Club. But seriously, when you look, when you go back, I mean, wasn't risky business? I mean, people still emulate the Tom Cruise costume, but nobody yeah. nobody ever quotes the movie. Joe, get off the babysitter. Did you have your bike there? I bet you <laughs> rode your bike home and then whacked off. Yeah. So who's the U-boat commander? <laughs> That's that. I use that all the time. No one knows what I'm talking about. Oh, and, and Princeton can use a guy like Joel. Yeah, yeah. We did a show, I think, about this, but it was like in the first year of the podcast, and I'm sure it's... Absolutely one that needs to be redone, and the, the old one needs to be burned. Anyway, uh, pay attention. I, I see that we had, by the way, Mr. Whiskey sounded off, but where's Commander Bourbon these days? I don't know. Maybe Mr. Whiskey sent him out on maneuvers to the ice machine. <laughs> yeah. God help me if I ever run out of ice. Oh, that's one of the things I'm so excited to be home about. I have an ice maker here. Yeah. Me too, because Future Wife does not have an ice maker in her freezer. What kind of 
what, what's wrong with these New York people? If anybody needs ice, it's New York. Yeah. God, it's miserable there in the summer. It's I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to drink bourbon warm. There was a point here. Oh, a, a song. Okay. Pay it <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're getting back on track here. Eventually. Yeah. It's just, it's been a long time since we've been able to look into each other's eyes via video camera and uh, record a good podcast. So we're just, we're just feeling a lot of love right now. Um, <laughs> pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it. What do you do, Brad? What do you do? Why, you should email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next time to see if you are a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Just take those old records off the I don't remember giving permission for a party, Joe. A party? I've never listened to them by myself. You ever get high, Joe? There's a time for playing it safe and a time for risky business. Starring Tom Cruise, rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check your newspaper for local listings. It's been a while since Brad and I got to play this little game. Not that game, this game. Easy. What's your 80s obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? Oh my gosh, you guys, I've been threatening to do this for, I don't know, six months, maybe two years. Uh, but today I ordered a personalized license plate, which means I am truly a Californian because everyone knows California loves personalized license plates. And what is that personalized license plate? SIT80S. Nice. Yeah. So if you see me driving around in my little mini Clubman with that plate, run me off the road so I can get a new car. <laughs> I, I, you told me about this idea, and I started looking into it myself. And like everything in the Florida government, it's impossible to understand the instructions on their websites. So I'm not exactly sure, sure how to do it. So I'm gonna. Luckily, luckily for me, the county service office is. I'm not kidding. Literally about a hundred yards from my front door. Wow. So the smell in there is awful, but. I'm sure I can get the answer to my question from a very surly uh, civil servant. (laughs) A sloth-like human being who uh, exists only to delay giving you information. I've only been in there once, and it was terrifying. And uh, I have an 80s obsession, and it just happened to me four hours ago. Ooh, four hours ago. Fresh, hot off the presses. Um, Somebody had posted a video of a, I guess it's a TV ad in England, I'm guessing. And I don't know what the product is for it's some sort of agency but it uses a new version of the phil oakey from the human league that phil oakey his signature song together in electric dreams Mm. and so it's a nice slowed down version it basically follows a a small british kid who has a encounter with a adolescent female extraterrestrial extraterrestrial alien Kind of thing. Yeah, I think we have to go with alien. Yeah, we'll go with Spaceship alien. Spaceship flyer. Yes. I mean, if they're alien, they're humanoid. And it goes on for about female extraterrestrial. <laughs> it goes on for about two minutes, but they slow the song down. And I, I've heard this song a thousand times, but for some reason, I don't think I ever really heard all the lyrics. And so you really hear them. It's like that aha, the, the acoustic version of the aha take on me. You don't really understand the lyrics until they slow it down. They're right. like, ah. Oh, it's no better to be safe than sorry. Right. Got it. 
I, I, did you know that from the original? Because I didn't. Not until, no, they, not, not until they slowed not, it down. No, that, there's another story behind that, but it's way too long and way too boring. Yeah, anyway, um, so I, I posted it to our Patreon page, and I, I put some thoughts about how I spent the afternoon weeping. We'll always be together, however far it seems. I could provide a little color, Steve. It's a John Lewis and Partners Christmas ad, and they're a British department store chain, and they do a Christmas ad every year. Oh, well, it's, it's beautiful. Is not is it not? It's lovely. I, too, got a little verklempt, and I'm like, dude, you can't just drop that crap in my feed. you got to give me some heads up. <laughs> I'm emotionally vulnerable right now. I've only been home for like four days. God. Has your body readjusted yet to the... <sighs> it's getting there getting there you know as of right now i'm still waking up at like you know 4 30 my time here it's like yeah. oh what time is it really <laughs> my thing is um because nowadays when when she and i visit each other we usually stay for about two weeks and then when i finally come home it, it takes me about three or four days before i realize i wake up in the middle of the night not knowing where i am or what like am i in new york sure. am i do i need to take a dog for a walk yeah yeah and and, and every time i sit stand up i'm always looking to make sure i'm not stepping on the dog well it's better to be worried about stepping on the dog when it's not there than to not be worried about stepping on the dog when it is there that's exactly what phil oki was trying to say in together in electric dreams right <laughs> so we'll close this week's show with that uh Check out Brooke Vitale's book. I think it might make a great gift for your kids, or probably at our age, probably more likely your grandkids. grandkids. Yeah. yeah, it's a good intro to it's a good intro to eighties pop culture. Perhaps children's books will be the way that you drag them kicking and screaming into our beloved decade. That would be wonderful. Um, I say more power to you. <laughs> until then, Brad and I remain here together in Electric Dreams, but hopelessly stuck in the eighties. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. My, my eyebrows look much better on video camera than they do in real life. Look at that. They look, oh, they're very solid. They look thin and well-shaped. Ooh, you're so sexy. Um, okay, here we go.